Welcome to the Positive Productivity Podcast, Episode 480. The Positive Productivity Podcast was created to empower entrepreneurs to achieve and appreciate personal and professional success. I'm your host, Kim Sutton, and if you're ready, let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of Positive Productivity. This is your host, Kim Sutton, and I am so happy to have you here. And I am thrilled to introduce today's guest, Amy Smith. Amy is a joy junkie and a certified confidence coach from thejoyjunkie.com. Amy, welcome. I'm so happy that you're here. Yay. I can't wait to chat and hang out and talk about some good stuff. Oh, me too. Amy, I would love if you would introduce yourself to the listeners because you know your story better than anybody else. Yeah, of course. So I, uh, as you said, am a coach and mentor for very high achieving women who struggle a lot with perfectionism and people pleasing in particular, those two things. And before I got involved in this, I worked as a makeup artist for about 10 years and kind of had slowly climbed up the ranks of a prestige makeup brand. And I (laughs) started getting involved in personal development, started taking some classes, reading some books and things like that, and, and going to a coaching program. And at the time, my father, uh, this was in 07, my father passed away. And I ended up because I had the skill of makeup artistry, I volunteered to perform the mortuary makeup on his deceased body. And so, you know, I also was just decided that I very much wanted to speak at the service. And I grew up in an extremely dogmatic born again, Christian family. And my father had a master's in divinity and a doctorate in ministry. So he really wasn't messing around. And in my adult life, as I've really unpacked a lot of the things surrounding my childhood, I really do feel like there's elements that were extremely cult-like. And a lot of my motivation my entire childhood was through guilt and fear, guilt and fear, guilt and fear. And it all sort of came to a head when my father passed. So mind you, I have two younger brothers who both have done jail time and didn't go to school, didn't really, you know, make much of themselves at the time. And I had been working since I was 14, you know, just, you know, kind of the antithesis to what they were doing. And put myself through college, you know, a lot of things that I was really proud of and, and, you know, really loved the person that I was. And then here I I come up against this extreme hardship of losing my father. I speak at the service of like hundreds of people who were there for him. He was quite an incredible human and performed his makeup, like did his makeup on his corpse. And obviously there's a lot that kind of goes into that, not just logistically, but then also emotionally grappling with what's happening. And so after that, we get home to my mother's house and she finds it the most opportune time to tell me that she feels like she and my father failed as parents because myself and my two brothers are not currently, you know, quote, walking with the Lord or subscribing to the same religious beliefs that they did. And 
so here, here I am. My mother is, you know, I just had this excruciating day. Right. Right. And here my mother is telling me you are a failure in my eyes Hmm. because you don't subscribe to the same belief system as me. And although I was already involved in personal development, it was at that moment when I realized my mission is going to be around speaking up for yourself without being an asshole without being malicious or ill-intended. And so at that moment, I really realized like, okay, I have a decision here. I either acquiesce and say all the things and quote all the Bible verses and become who she wants me to be and make her happy at a complete sacrifice of self. Or I decide that her disappointment or her belief in me being a failure is hers to carry. And if it comes down to choosing you or choosing me, I'm going to choose me. And what was so interesting is after that time period, I realized like, all right, no, if I'm going to uh, really live a life that's fulfilling, that might have the very real consequence of being a disappointment to my mom. And I need to allow that to be hers. and, And she can carry that because I choose not to. And so the trajectory that soon followed is I was extremely combative and adversarial. I was kind of like, oh, I'm going to stand up for myself. Okay, we're going to talk about all the polarizing things. So I would bring up the things that we were very much on opposite sides of, like abortion or gay rights or things like that. And because I wanted to fight because I was angry. Are you talking about with your mom or like in general? No, with my mom. Because I'm just thinking you could create quite a thread in Facebook by doing the same thing, right? (laughs) Yes, but I will not fight with people on the internet. It's just, I just won't do it. (laughs) It's such a waste of my time. Mm -hmm. But I understand the allure because sometimes you just want to take somebody to school. So no, it, it really became that way with my mom. And also she was grappling with losing her partner of 30 years and trying to find her own identity. So there was a real rough path throughout that duration. And then I got to kind of where I'm at now, where I realized that there is a way to give voice to your wants, opinions, needs, stances, and you can do all of that without being a dick. You don't have to be malicious to ask an adult child to move out of the home. You don't have to be ill-intended or acerbic or biting to ask for a divorce. You can do all of that with compassion or kindness. So that really became what I do now, where it is this internal work of truly believing that your voice matters, that your wants, opinions, and needs matter, that you are enough to speak up. And then the other piece of the work that I do is the actual how. Like, what do boundaries sound like? How do you tell your mother-in-law to stop feeding your children sugary foods that you don't agree with? Like, what does that actually sound like? What are the words that you use? So those two elements of believing in your own value and then how to communicate to the world has really truly become sort of my mission because of what I had to go through in, in my own world and in my own life. Oh my gosh. I wish we had had this conversation 20 years ago. <laughs> Because I get that a lot. <laughs> I am married to my second and last husband. Yeah. He's amazing. My first yeah. husband and his family. Okay, his dad was awesome. His mom was a pain in my butt. So was he. Not my father-in-law, but I mean my husband. I remember specifically one day after my firstborn, who's now 15, was born. She was visiting and she said, go take a shower. He had just gone down for a nap and I was like, yes, I can take a shower. But within a minute of getting in the shower... 
my son was awake and screaming. I was like, what the heck? So I come out and she's holding him. I'm like, okay, she just beat me to the bathroom. Okay. Next day, same thing. I put him down. Finally, she's like, go take a shower. But I decided to just stand there. And I heard her go into the bedroom and wake him up. (laughs) And I didn't know what to say. It's like, oh my gosh, this is your daughter or your mother-in-law? My mother-in-law. Oh my goodness. This is 15 years ago. I mean, I was young. I was 22. I didn't know any. No, I was older than that. However old I was. Okay. But I was young. And I was just like, what the heck do I do? So I just kept my mouth shut and it went on the whole time. I was like, every single time I would leave because she would say, go take a shower. The same thing would happen. So I just grinned and bared it. Yeah. The whole time. And then as the, sorry to just put this all out there, as I was going through the marriage, my feelings were no longer, were never valid. I was always told they were wrong. And it took me a long time to realize, no, they're not. I have as much of a right to share my feelings as anybody else does. That's right. But I never got to that point where I could actually, it got to the point where the only way I could do to share my feelings in that marriage was to scream. Yeah. And they, they still weren't accepted. So I would love to know, how do you share your feelings without being an asshole? Okay. I'm going to have to put an E on this episode. Okay. (laughs) Um, But I mean, he flat out called me a bitch. I haven't been called a bitch since then. I don't think I was ever called a bitch before then, but he flat out called me a bitch. So how do you share your feelings without being a bitch? Oh my gosh. Well, so there's a couple of things that I really want to say about what you just shared. And then I'm happy to give you some real tangible, here's what you do. The story that you just shared is so unbelievably common because we are immersed in a society that gives us the narrative that, I mean, even if we look back at children should be seen and not heard or don't rock the boat, don't open a can of worms, don't, you know, we have all of these even like catchy sayings of reasons why it's better for us to people please. It's better for us to make everybody else more important. So if you are like listening to this and you're going, oh my God, I can totally relate to Kim's story. I have the same situation happening with a coworker or with my assistant or whoever. You're not alone. Everything in our society, most of our families of origins and pretty much a majority of our media tells us to shut the fuck up, tells us to be quiet, tells us that it's better to silence yourself, right? So it takes a fierce act of courage to even start unpacking this enough to make those changes, right? So please, please, please be compassionate with yourself. If you identify as being somebody who is so invested in what other people think of them or being consumed with worry about what other people think or always being the yes man and the people pleaser, please know that that's actually rooted in our primitive makeup, right? Like I'm not going to get completely into that, but there's a reason why that's our pull. So be compassionate with yourself and know that any sort of unpacking of that is a huge act of courage and applaud yourself as you continue to work through that. And, you know, one of the things that you brought up was that your method of communication became screaming. And I think we have this idea that Well, first of all, that's very primitive as well. Like when you think about being a child or an infant, if you need your needs met, you scream. 
You yeah. scream and yell and you throw a tantrum. There's a, there's a reason why we do that, right? And then as we learn various ways to cope, we usually become extremely combative like that. Like we yell or we become really demonstrative or we become the doormat. And we hide out and we don't share our feelings and we don't express what's happening with us. When somebody says, hey, where do you want to go to eat? We go, wherever you want to go. We stop flexing any kind of opinion or desire, which really is kind of saying everybody else is more important to me. That's the subconscious message. So the first thing that I would advocate for everybody to start looking at is, do you have a belief around speaking up for yourself? Do you have a belief around expressing how you feel? Let's say with the situation that you mentioned with your ex-mother-in-law, what is the story you make up around giving voice to, hey, I think you keep waking up my kid to sabotage my (laughs) shower, right? Like what is stopping you from giving voice to that? So everybody listening, I want you to think about who are those people that you continue to silence yourself around and then follow that up with what am I afraid of? What is it that makes me feel like it's better option to choose silence? Because then you can start looking at, is that fear really valid? Most of the time we're afraid of being disliked. And a lot of times we're afraid of being disliked by people we don't even like. (laughs) Amen. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So you got to look at it a little bit deeper there to figure out where are your stumbling blocks? Because I could tell you a ton of different tactics, but you need to really look at what is underneath this pull to make that person happy. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Well, in the case of my mother-in-law, my ex-mother-in-law, I think she actually just wanted baby time. For listeners who have multiple kids or even just one, like for me, what I experienced with the first one was that. I wanted to hold them all the time. Like it was painful for me to see other people hold them because I was just so attached. I mean, this is my first baby. But number yep. four and five twins, I'm like, please take them. Take them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I need to sleep. Even if they start screaming, just give them a bottle. I know I'm breastfeeding, but just give them a bottle. Yep. <laughs> Leave me alone. But the first one, I think, you know, that could have been part of it. But I'm just like, are you serious? <laughs> I just wanted a freaking shower. Yeah, but yeah, and I'm not looking for personal coaching here, but like with how things went with my ex-husband, I found in my current marriage that I will often hold my tongue just because I don't want to argue. And I know that sometimes if I say what I'm thinking right away, that it's not necessarily what I was. Sometimes it's not necessarily what I was thinking. It comes out a lot more hurtful than I meant. But then I just start letting it all stew in my head and full disclosure Listeners, you know I love my husband, but yesterday I absolutely blew up four times at my husband because I was just so sick of some stuff that was going on. Yeah. So it was like fight number five in eight years. But I, oh my gosh, I'm surprised I can talk today. Let me just put it that way. But that's not a healthy way to go because if I was just sharing what's really irritating along the way, then I wouldn't have gotten to that point. Right. That's absolutely true. And, you know, I think it's really challenging in our interpersonal relationships and in our romantic relationships because there's already so much passion there to begin with, right? There's already so much emotion there to begin with. And then when you pile on top of it, children, multiple children, two people working or dealing with a um, an ailing 
in-law or, you know, add on all of these additional pieces that we're all grappling with, you have a strong emotional current. So developing an understanding of I'm going to lose my shit right now. I'm going to like, and literally being able to say that, like, I am going to lose my shit. I need to step aside and finding ways to expel that energy. So you're not doing it in this diatribe towards <laughs> a loved one, because what's happening in that moment, Kim, is all of your feelings are 100% valid. You are allowed to be pissed. You are allowed to be frustrated. You are allowed to be at your wits end, to be overwhelmed, all of that. But if you communicate from that place, it's likely that it's going to fall on deaf ears. Because it's very unlikely mm-hmm. that you unleash on somebody and they go, oh, honey, I totally see what you're saying. I can't wait to be a better person for you. I can tell you how many times that's happened. <laughs> Zero. <laughs> it's not how we respond. We do fight or flight. So usually what happens in a marriage is they either retaliate, they yell just as loud, they fight, or they flee. They shut down. They do whatever they need to do to get this person to shut the hell up, which is usually appeasement. I'll work on it. Fine. I'll do it. I'll send the letter. I'll do it. I'll take him to school. I'll do whatever. And then they forget what they said they would do because all they were trying to do is get you to shut the hell up. So (laughs) there's a huge piece here in just acknowledging your own role in the matter, that you're allowed to be furious. You're allowed to feel disrespected in the relationship or that there's, I I don't know, I'm making shit up. But for everybody who's listening, like you get to feel whatever you feel, but you're never exempt from responsibility of your behavior. So you could be furious at, let's say an ex for, you know, doing something detrimental to a child, right? Your child, right? Like they forgot to pick him up or something like that. You could be furious at them, but that doesn't mean you are now allowed to go key their car or (laughs) burn their house down. Right. Do you know what I'm saying? There's that piece of like, it doesn't matter how much your husband messed up. Like you're still responsible for your tone of voice and how you deliver that information. And nobody teaches us that. So that's why I have something to do all day. (laughs) Because where would we learn this, right? Like nobody teaches you how to communicate like that. So this was not me, but I will not name who it was. Somebody recently confided in me that they were at the grocery. And it wasn't my husband either. I just need to put that out there. They were at the grocery and the person behind them in the checkout lane did not wait until they had all their items up on the conveyor belt before they started putting their stuff up on the conveyor belt. This person confided in me that they were so angry that they nearly followed the person home to give them a piece of their mind. It's like, holy moly, (laughs) where's the rational in that? Yeah. But there's people out there who would actually do it. I mean, you see road rage and the people are actually following them way off course just because they want to express their displeasure. And you know what's far more common, Kim, I think, is that people don't speak up in those situations. Like that could have been somebody at the grocery store. It could have been a boss or a coworker who's being really noisy or and you are frustrated because you're trying to work on whatever you're working on. It could be anybody. And if you stifle that over and over again, guess who hears about it? Usually your spouse, usually your kids, usually the people who you unleash on because you've been bottling up all of these emotional frequencies and not dealing with them. I think that's one of our biggest problems in our society is just not allowing ourselves the freedom to feel what we feel and not expressing them in a healthy way. So that could have been very easily rectified 
by just saying like, you know what, would you just give me a second? I have quite a few more things to load up on here. Would you just not put your stuff up until maybe I'm done? Right. You know, that it could be completely resolved that way. I mean, I know so many times when I'm going through the grocery, I am and we all can probably see this when we're driving the same path that we've driven so many times before we get to our destination and we don't remember the journey, right? Yeah, yes. But this person could have been in a whole different trance. Like I am often in like thinking about 10,000 other things and they didn't even realize what they were doing. There was room, they could pull their cart in and they just started unloading because they were just weren't even thinking about what they were doing. I'm like, yeah, I almost disclosed who it was, but just say yeah. something it's so simple. Just say something, you know, and that's, that is the biggest issue that I find is so many people have this fear around that piece. So I, let me ask you this, how many strangers over the course of, I guess you've had, you know, four pregnancies, right? Because of the twins in the course of those pregnancies, did strangers think it was acceptable to say the dumbest shit to you about pregnancy or rub your belly? Oh, so many times. Oh, it looks like you're going to pop tomorrow. <laughs> and they start saying that like five months before I have the twins. Uh, oh, yeah. that looks so sweet. Let me put my hands on you. Uh, how about no? <laughs> but how, how many about- times did I say it? None. Exactly. So that is what I'm talking about is those situations. What happens when we chronically don't speak up like that is the subconscious message that we are nurturing is that what I want and what I need just simply don't matter as much as that other person. A perfect stranger who wants to touch your anatomy is okay with you. Like, where are we okay with this? Like, do you want me touching your reproductive organs? Probably not. Then please do not touch my body. Like, it is wildly offensive. But we get into this place where we go, oh, no, I couldn't say that. Yes, you can. You just don't have the words to do it and the confidence to actually say it. All it takes is to say, I'm sure you're really well-meaning, but I'm really uncomfortable with having people rub my belly. I truly hope you can understand. That's it. It's not like if we saw somebody, like a woman walking through the grocery with really big boobs that we would say, oh, can I touch those? (laughs) Are those real? Can I touch them? Yeah. No, it's just so rude. So rude. And all you have to say is, unfortunately, I'm not comfortable with that. I truly hope you can understand. Moving on right? Like moving on. But it is the same. It's the same situation, no matter what we're talking about. It's using those actual words and knowing that you are allowed to give voice to those things. Like that, that analogy that I just gave or that example, there's nothing mean about that. You're not being a dick. You're not being rude. You're actually being extremely kind. You're just also being kind to yourself. Mm, I love that. I had to share one more grocery store example just to make you and listeners laugh. Okay. My three-year-old daughter, Zelda, her head level is at the same level of many butts, okay? And I don't know what her (laughs) attraction is, but we'll be standing in the checkout line and she'll have her face like at that level of the person ahead of of us, their butt. And I've caught her many times reaching out to touch their butt. Like, Zelda. You can't just reach out and touch the butt. And she's done it before. Get catcher, like when I am unloading my own groceries, they'll turn around and like, excuse me. But even that same thing, if you're pregnant and somebody touches your belly, it's sort of like, excuse me. Like you would probably shock that person back into reality. 
But right. we can do it with people touching our butts. People have never just randomly touched my boobs. Thank goodness. Watch it will happen the next time I go to the store. Are those real? <laughs> well, <laughs> Excuse you know, me. Yes, they are. Do you want to take your hands off my boobs now? <laughs> exactly. But the thing, you know, the thing with Zelda is she is three years exactly. of age. And we are not. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So it's it truly is a matter of using using your words, but it's, I mean, it's the same situation for those of you out there who maybe are in some sort of service or helping profession, like a coach or a consultant. And if you perhaps can't take on another client or you don't have an open spot in your calendar to fit somebody in and they go, Oh my gosh, I'm having this crisis. I really need your help. Oh my God. Oh my God. In that situation, you are going, okay, I'm going to take all of your energy and all of your emotions, and I'm going to make that my responsibility. Okay, I'm going to sacrifice my own schedule, calendar, all of those things, and fit you in. Instead of behaving like a kind individual and saying, oh my gosh, I so wish I could fit you in. Unfortunately, I have no availability. I truly hope you can understand. But what we do is we go, I feel guilty. I feel bad. Stop saying that. That is something you absolutely have got to stop saying. You can say, I feel guilty if you've actually done something unbefitting of you. If you went and slapped somebody, like, yeah, you should feel like shit. You should feel guilty. You did Mm -hmm. something rude and wrong. But not having availability in your calendar to fit in a client, it does not warrant feeling bad or feeling guilty. So I want to encourage everybody to start changing what they call that. No more saying, I feel guilty. I feel bad. Say, I feel compassion. I feel empathy, or I feel concern for that person. You do not need to feel poorly simply because you aren't able to provide something that they really wanted. That's actually their responsibility. And you can be loving and kind and amazing about it because what happens with these sort of chronic habitual behaviors where you're always the yes man or in California it would sometimes it would be the totally girl totally I'll do that totally I'll bake 400 cupcakes for that class and I'll be the chaperone and yeah I'll take on all this extra work and what happens then is everything else in our life suffers we're usually taking it out on the spouse taking it out on the kids taking it out on our own bodies by not getting enough sleep or having enough sustenance that's what happens when we spread ourselves so thin so I have a quote that I have coined and use, I use it all the time. And it is constantly putting everybody in front of yourself is poison disguised as nobility. Wow. We think it's so noble to put, uh, say yes to everybody, take care of everybody. And it's not. First of all, you're being a liar because you don't really want to help your friend move on the weekend. You just felt like you couldn't say no, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? So now you don't have time to finish that yoga program that you've been working on or whatever it happens to be, right? Like there's a cost to complete self-sacrifice and it's usually your happiness, my friend. So let's start using our words and the true value that we have as a human. Like we are worthy of giving voice to things and we can do it with kindness, grace and kindness. So oh my um, gosh. Yeah. You just you just described the first four plus years of my business. Mm. Yeah. Last year from about May to November I had a client who when we started had a big project that needed to go out. So there were some nights and weekends necessary. I made myself available and the client said this isn't typical. I was like, okay, good, because I don't want it to be typical either. But it grew to be habitual. 
And I kept on saying yes. And then all of a sudden I realized I'm tired of saying yes. But the client expected me to say yes because I had set up the precedent of Kim will be the yes. What did yep. you say? Totally. I, I'm not the in California. Totally girl? Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Well, I'm not in California. So I'll just say I was a yeah. yes girl. And then mm-hmm. it was probably just about a year ago now that soccer season was starting for my now 12 year old and he plays competition travel league soccer with tournaments okay. like this year it's interstate travel and i was like i won't be working this weekend because soccer season has started and i need to travel and the response i will never forget well how long does soccer season go mm-hmm. like are you kidding me this was not supposed to be a standard and then it, it turned into Friday night at 11 o'clock, I need this funnel built tonight. Oh, like, no. No. So I did. That was the first client that I ever let go because I realized this is not good. And the client actually came back and told me it was scarcity mode mentality. It's like, I don't see how you think. I, I didn't respond. It's like, I laughed at it and filed it. It's like, if anything, is not scarcity. That was actually my biggest paying client last year. Mm-hmm. But I realized I just couldn't do it anymore. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. And the business got so much better after that. Exactly. Because you know what? That was karmically expensive. Mm -hmm. That was energetically expensive. So it didn't matter if it was financially lucrative because it was draining from an emotional place. Oh my gosh. Yeah. There's a great quote from a woman named Irma Kurtz. And her quote is, givers have to set limits because takers rarely do. Wow. That's your exact situation that you just detailed. I'm writing that one down. I've never heard that one before. I can't oh, believe that. Oh, it's so good. Givers have to set limits because takers rarely do. Wow. And it's almost impressive. It's almost impressive that somebody would have the gall to ask you to do in a complete funnel at 11 o'clock at night. And then on the other hand, I start thinking like, wow, this is such an amazing opportunity for me to stand in my truth. And again, you don't have to be an asshole about it. <laughs> And I've had plenty of situations like this where I'm like, thank you so much for asking. Unfortunately, I'm not going to be available. And a lot of times we don't realize that it's as simple as that. Like you can just say, unfortunately, I didn't see that email because I don't check email until the next morning. But it's likely that your silence was making you a liar. And that's one one thing that I use as sort of a governing mantra for me anytime I'm unsure of if I need to give voice to something or set a boundary or say no, is I have to look at, will my silence make me a liar? If I am quiet about this, am I being completely inauthentic? So I'll give you an example. I do some community theater in my spare time and I was working on a show and there was one of the kids who I was working with. He was probably 18 or 19. He shows me a picture on his phone that is basically an internet meme, but it was really disparaging, making fun of handicapped, mentally and physically handicapped children. And which to me is wildly offensive and not something at all. Not something, I think many people would think that, uh, not something that really deems hilarity and not something that I'm going to like be like, oh, haha, that's so funny. But the way it's presented, and I'm sure everybody can relate to these scenarios, right? He shows me the meme. He's like, hey, me, Amy, look at this, look at this, right? So it's presented to you in a way of you're going to feel the same way I do. And we're going to have this laugh, right? So I see it and I know, okay, at that moment, the easy thing would be to laugh along with him and be like, ha ha, you're crazy and walk away. 
But I knew that my silence in that situation would make me a liar. And that's sort of an integrity that I'm not willing to compromise. But I'm also not going to get into a full on conversation with this guy either. So I said, you know what, I, I actually find that really, really offensive. Please just don't show me any of that stuff anymore. Good for you. And then I walked away. I don't have to open up a can of worms. We don't have to get into this whole conversation, but I sure as shit am not going to let somebody think that my silence makes me complicit and that that is something that I would find hilarious. Mm. So that might be a question for people to take on. Like, is my silence making me a liar? Do they think I can't wait to chaperone this field trip? Do they think I'm excited for this project? Do they think <laughs> that's on you? Wow. So I have a, I have a situation that I'd love to ask you yeah. about. And this sure. is, I'm not going to, I'm in a group of people, amazing people. And one of the people, uh, let me preface this by saying I am a Christian, but I cuss. Obviously, I've already done it on this episode. So <laughs> one of the people in the group kept on saying, God damn it, and Jesus Christ. Okay. Mm. Which to me is, as I said, I'm Christian, but I cuss a bit. Mm. But to me, those are highly offensive. And for weeks and weeks and weeks, I didn't say anything. And then I finally realized I couldn't just sit there and let it be anymore. So when the yeah. group was a small group one time, I just brought it up. I said, you know, I don't think you're thinking about how you could be offending other people by using those choice phrases. Perhaps you can yeah. consider changing. Would you have handled it any differently besides saying something earlier? Not necessarily. I think... So here is my perspective on that is because I'm very, I'm different from you that I have a very specific, you know, spiritual belief that doesn't include Christianity. Right. But I'm so incredibly respectful of what anybody, what anybody's faith is. And if I'm intimately involved with somebody like in a mastermind or like in a small group of study where we're in things together, where we're around each other and we're working together, then I... I would come to you and just be like, Kim, I know this is going to sound probably so crazy. I have no idea if you know this about me, but I have a really strong faith. And for as long as I can remember, I have just found it really offensive when people say Jesus Christ or God damn it. And I know that's probably not your intention ever to offend me or anything like that. Here's my request. Is there any way you might be willing to just be a little more conscientious of your verbiage just around me. Mm. I know that's kind of a big ask, but are you up for it? You know, where you're talking to them from the way of, first of all, one tool I will use all the time is telling them what I assume their intention is or their intention is not. Like, I assume your intention is not at all. You probably did to offend me. I'm sure you had no idea. I even felt this way. So where you can kind of state in your delivery, giving them the benefit of the doubt, you know, like I'm sure. But then on the flip side, as somebody who that's, that is a regular part of my vernacular, that there's a piece of me going like, I get to decide if I'm going to respect that boundary or not. Right. Right. So if you and I, if you came to me in that capacity where let's say we were in a mastermind together and you said that to me, I'd be like, you know what? No worries, man. Like I'm happy to not say that in front of you because I care about you and because it costs me nothing. Right. Right, right. So if it was something where it was like, you know, like I have staunch opinions about animals, right? Like, and if somebody was doing something that I found really offensive about animals or, you know, eating certain types of foods or whatever, 
and I brought that up to somebody, uh, you know, they get to decide if they're going to support that boundary or not. And I have, and so even in your situation right there, it's like, you get to decide, like, I'm going to give voice to this. If they're up for it, great. If they're not, how does Kim take care of Kim? Mm. Right. Yeah. You know, because the mission cannot be, I need to make them different or I need them to behave differently towards me. But you can also say, you know, if it, no matter, like if it's a huge, huge deal to you, you can say, you know what, I'm going to need to bow out. I'm not going to ask you to change. I'm just going to take care of myself. So it becomes like you get to make the most powerful choices for yourself. And it's not easy, my friends. It is definitely not easy. So please, oh my gosh, as you learn this, be compassionate to yourself, you know? Thank you. Yeah. It was like nails on a chalkboard for months. And then when I finally said something, but amazingly, so in the meeting that we actually had this discussion with, the person hadn't said it at all during that. Mm. But I just, it was the opportune time and I did it non-confrontationally, I hope. But then amazingly, the next time that we met, it was said, it was dropped like eight times. Like, huh, mm. that's interesting. So, yeah. So let's just, if you're a vegan and you express your your thoughts, like, I mm-hmm. eat meat. I just got to be totally honest there. Totally. But I wouldn't yeah. bring, a, just because I respect you, I wouldn't bring like a steak dinner times five mm. and eat it in front of you <laughs> at the right. next session. I would be a little bit more cost or food conscious salad. I think so. So what I hear in this scenario is I almost wonder if, if they're actually being vindictive and like, oh yeah, you know, and kind of, I don't know I have no idea what their intention is. What I would say (laughs) if it was me, I'd be like, Kim, I'll make you a deal. I will never say that around you as long as you never tell me you're praying for me. Is that a deal? (laughs) deal. (laughs) That's that's what I would say, you know? But it really depends on the rapport between the two people, right? Right, right? So if you and I are in a mastermind and we're connected and friendly with one another and we genuinely want to support each other and there, that concession is no big deal, awesome. If that concession is a big deal, mm-hmm. then that's when you fight for it, right? right, like, right. like, for instance, my mom will tell me it's really offensive to me that you have Buddhas in your home. It's offensive to me that you believe in astrology. It's offensive. And I'm like, mom, likewise, I'm offended by your choice of faith and I love you. So how can we operate in this place where neither one of us have to concede something that is a part of our own value system? And that's where it gets sticky in really strong like political or religious differences is a lot of times it does become an ultimatum, right? It does, And that's okay if you are really standing in honoring self, because that's going to look very different for everybody, you know? Yeah. Just in the past year, I've started talking up a little bit more within my own company with team members. And I'll Mm -hmm. give an example. I had a team member who was supposed to be supporting me with building out a website for a client, and they disappeared. Mm -hmm. And then about six months later, they showed back up requesting my connection on LinkedIn. I was like, huh? So I didn't accept the connection right away, yeah. but I sent them a message saying, you know, I'm a little bit surprised to see your connection because I reached out to you eight times to find out where this website stood and I really needed it done. And they apologized profusely and told me some stuff that had been going on. And I'm a person, I have five kids, 
life is crazy in my house. So I understand that things happen. So I was yep. like, okay, you know, well, your design is awesome. And if you're interested, I would love to work with you on something else. But I, can you do this? Oh, yeah, I'll get it done for tomorrow. Disappeared for six days. Again. Yeah. And it wow. came back and said, well, sorry, I haven't been around the last couple of days. I had a whole bunch of interviews for other work, but I turned them all down because I told them I, I was working for you. I was like, well, thank you so much, but this was actually due four days ago. And I ended up having to take time that I wasn't planning on because you said you would do it and do it myself. So good luck, but I don't see us working together we'll, or we won't be working together in the future. And that was the first time I had actually stood up to a team member. And it had happened in the past too. But I had always just been like, another chance, another chance, another chance, another chance. And it was hurting me in the process. And the same as with the client, same as with the ex-husband. It was taking away my sleep, my happiness, my joy. Yeah. There you go. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Good for you. Good for you, though. That And I really think it's really interesting with these sorts of situations where you speak up for yourself because – usually we have these two opposing emotions around it. Like you have one emotion that is like pride and like, hell yeah, I totally did it. I spoke up, you know? And then you're usually also feeling another emotion like, oh shit, did I just kill all of my connections or maybe they hate me? Did I say the wrong thing? You know, we usually have both opposing feelings of confidence and doubt and fear and things like that when we're flexing this new muscle of speaking up for ourselves, right? So I'm so (laughs) glad to hear that you did that. Good for you. Because I really think, I mean, we've heard the quote of, you know, you teach people how to treat you. Mm -hmm. And I really think it's largely not what we say, it's what we choose to tolerate. That people go, oh, yeah, no, Kim doesn't care. She you can get it to her at 11 at night or you can just drop off the face of the earth for two weeks yeah. on a project. Like yeah. she'll handle it. Right. Because right. that's what you're teaching. So it's like, teach them something different. Now I'm not going to say that there are no clients who I accept texts from, but those clients have already, you know, we've established our working relationship. And I realized that that needed to be for all you entrepreneurs who are in service-based industries. You need to include that in your contract. These are my standard working hours. Like, oh, yeah. Yep. And for one of my clients who does text me late, I'm his launch manager. You know, things break. Positive productivity is not a, always perfection. You can have all your tech set up perfectly and have tested it, but shit still happens. Yes. Websites yep. go down because you have too much traffic. Like, yeah. that's an awesome thing to happen, but it's unexpected. And I understand those texts coming in at one o'clock in the morning, but yeah. it can't be just a precedent. Listeners, turn off your Skype at five o'clock or whenever your business day ends so that you won't be tempted to respond to clients. Yeah. If it really is an emergency that you have to take care of, then they can find an inbox. But it's still everybody else's fires are not your emergency unless you allow it to be that way. Right. That's exactly right. And usually what we will tell ourselves is some sort of bullshit lie that's like, well, nobody else is going to do it, right? Or, mm-hmm. well, I have to. Well, I have to. And we use these words that are absolutes. I can't, mm-hmm. which usually mm-hmm. means I won't. I can't speak up. I can't tell him no. I can't say you're going to need to find another solution. It's I won't. I won't 
have that hard conversation or we say like, well, who else is going to do it? Or it won't get done right. Or it won't. And what we're doing is we're choosing suffering, you know, and a lot of times we're just holding on to that control or that perfectionism with a death grip. And the cost is our happiness, right? Like we're just, you're not happy when you're feeling like you're the only one who can handle everything and you can't lean on anybody else. So yeah, you know, I, I really think that it's baby steps. So I would love to just kind of challenge everybody out there listening to start looking at, you know, what we were talking about earlier, like who are those people in your life that you find the hardest time speaking up with? Find out what's underneath that. Like, what are you really afraid of? And start trying to challenge yourself with a couple of things. One, start saying no. And by doing that, start just by buying yourself some time. So instead of just saying like, yeah, totally, I'll babysit your kids or yes, I'll take on that project or, you know, no problem. You know, your gut reflex, you're going to have to stop yourself with that and just say, you know what, how soon do you need to know? Ask them a question. When do you need to know by, can I get back to you on that? Or just say like, thank you so much for thinking of me. I'm going to check my schedule when do you need to know by, right? Like buy yourself some time, even if it's something like, can you hold that thought? I have got to run to the restroom real quick. <laughs> just, just don't, <laughs> I, I'm going to have to use that one. <laughs> just don't say yes for the love of God, for, for the love of whoever you believe in. Oh, it's <laughs> <I don't> okay. <laughs> <laughs> like just please, please don't say yes if you don't want to. Buy mm-hmm. yourself some time. There was something else I was going to challenge everybody. Oh, don't say like, this is another challenge is to not lie when you decline. So if you don't want to go out with friends that night, cause you just are dying to recharge because you really, really need some downtime. Don't tell them that you have clients until nine at night. If that's not true, tell them I'm not available. I truly hope you can understand. Please don't stop inviting me. It's just not a good night. You don't have to explain. You don't have to give them this big old long story. All you have to do is be kind and say no. That's it. And if it's somebody you're really close with, you can elaborate if you choose. But those are the two big ones is I want you to work on not saying yes to things you really don't want and then work on not lying when you do need to decline. Tell the truth. It's okay. You are allowed. And please know that by doing these things and practicing these challenges, what you're doing again is nurturing that subconscious message to yourself that your voice matters. What you need matters. Yes. You know how long it took me to figure out that I didn't need to share the whole story about why? Oh, gosh. And then when I, I couldn't believe how much simpler it got when I was just like, yes or no. Nobody. Well, okay. I'm not trying to say that nobody cares about the story, but seriously, the majority of the people don't care about the story. They just want the response. Right. That's is right. That, is that That's being absolutely mean? True. I mean, just not at all. You're okay. You're only being mean if you're actually being mean. You're being yeah. mean if you're being malicious. If your intention is one of hurting and and being rude. In fact, I oftentimes will say you're responsible for your intention, not your reception. Mm. The reception is going to be all over the board. Some people are going to think you're an asshole. Some people are going to be indifferent and apathetic and don't even care. Some people are going to be stoked on your opinions. 
it's going to be all across the board. You can't control any of that. You can only control how you show up. If your intention is one of hurting people, then yeah, you should feel guilty about that. You're being a dick. But if you're not, your intention is one of self-care or compassion or honesty or authenticity or caretaking for yourself or whatever it is. That's amazing. That's beautiful. You get to stand behind that. And that's your intention. So whether or not somebody thinks you're being a selfish asshole or they're like, good for you taking care of yourself, no matter what the reception is, you can't control that. Get connected to the intention. Whoa, that was deep. That's a tweetable right there. Team awesome. (laughs) Take that one for sure. Plus a whole bunch of others. Amy, what do you do in your business and how can people reach out to connect with you, learn more, enlist your services? all of the above. Yes. So pretty much my digital home is over at thejoyjunkie.com and junkie is J-U-N-K-I-E. And I do a podcast as well where I, I talk about a lot of these concepts. How do we speak up with family? How do we establish boundaries? Say no, uh, have tough conversations with partners, etc. And all of that's totally free. Everything you can find on my website, depending on when this airs, there might be different types of freebies on my website. So it might be a workbook that can help you with self-love and self-confidence. It might be a video training that's designed to teach you how to feel more like enough. I'm not exactly sure what will be up at the time, but I do know that it will be free and that it will get you into action. So scoot over to thejoyjunkie.com and you can find out all about it. I have a free Facebook group and fun stuff like that, but you can find all of it over at sort of that hub. Awesome. Listeners, if you're driving, working out, trying not to cook dinner, you can go (laughs) to thekimsutton.com forward slash PP480, where you will find all the links and ways to connect with Amy. Awesome. In our pre-chat, I told you that every single guest who comes on, I feel like the message was what I needed to hear that day. And you have Mm. been right there. So thank you so much. Yeah, you are so welcome. It has been such an honor to hang out with you. And I just really hope that everybody listening is grabbing some nuggets and being gentle with themselves. Because my God, I know I sound really emphatic and diehard now, but it has been a journey, like decades long of learning this. So please just be gentle with yourself as you flex these new muscles. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Positive Productivity Podcast. When I'm not podcasting, I'm supporting six to seven figure business coaches with their marketing automation and entrepreneurs like you through my coaching and mastermind programs. I want to invite you to visit thekimsutton.com to learn how I can help you take your business to the next level.